Happy end of summer, and thanks for joining us for another Parents Empowered podcast. I'm Heidi Hatch with KUTV. We're talking back to school, underage drinking prevention, and really how families, parents, kids can sit down and talk about important issues. This we talk about all the time is not a one-and-done deal. It's something you have to talk about on a regular basis. So joining us today is Christina Pexton, Family Life Commissioner for the Utah PTA. I'm always jealous of the PTA moms because they all know the good gossip and what's happening at schools and the best <laughs> teachers, the best kids, all that good stuff. And Heidi Dutston with Parents Empowered today, too. So two Heidis in the house and a Christina. We're all moms here and talking about things that are important to our kids. Christina, you're new here. Tell us um, a little bit about uh, what you do with the PTA and how old your kids are. Yeah, so I am the Family Life Commissioner with Utah PTA. Um, I've also been a PTA president as well on my local level at my elementary school, so that's been awesome. Um, As a mom, I'm a mom of five, and I was... um, this year's going to be special because I have a kid going to college, one going to high school, one teach in junior high, and then two in elementary. So I've got a broad spectrum of things to worry about and take care of this uh, year. Ah, yes. So many things to worry about in so little time. And Heidi, uh, your kids are a little on the older end, but you've got kids you're still worried about too with these issues. Absolutely. And the, you know, it seems as a parent, the older you get, the more parents you have to worry about, right? It's so, so true. So we've got eight children and then I've got six grandchildren right now that are seven and younger. younger so it's kind of this rising generation and, and you know, anticipating <coughs> what kind of challenges they'll face. And it's always new. I think every year, every decade, things change. And I feel like the underachiever here, I only have two children. And since we've met last, my daughter is now 21. She's heading back to Utah State for her final senior year. And then I have a son who's 15 and is my current Uber driver, so he can get his hours for his permit. So (laughs) anywhere I go, he goes. If I want to go to Target, he drives me. So it's very convenient. I just have someone to drive me everywhere I go right now. But uh, back to school is a big time, and it's an important time really to talk to your kids because there's so many changes, and especially when we're coming, I would say, out of the pandemic, but I feel like we're sort of going back into it. There's so many changes of where your kids are going and who they're hanging out with and all of that. So, Christina, can you tell us a little bit more right now about the goals of the Family Life Commission with the PTA as we're headed back to school? Because it's a big mind shift when we go from summer fun and not caring about anything and getting back to schedules and caring and talking. We still care in the summertime. It's just different, right? Yeah, and we wanted that summer break, right? Yeah. A lot of us needed that summer break. For sure. Um, and, of course, with the PTA, we talk about every child's potential, trying to make that a reality, right? And we do that with parents. We do that by empowering parents and engaging parents and make them part of these conversations, right? And we want to, for our goals specifically for the Family Life Commission, they're really about making connections, And that's both connections with a parent and a child, right? I mean, that's vital. That's essential. And sometimes it gets harder and harder as they get older and they get into those teenage years, right? There's a lot more, like, things to – barriers to get past. And sometimes we're the barrier. I noticed today I was with my (laughs) 15-year-old, and he was driving us to the high school to pick some stuff up. And he was talking to me, and I'm sure whatever it was was important to him, but I was checking emails for work at the same time. And I didn't quite catch what he said, and I asked him to repeat it, but he didn't want to repeat it. He was like, if you're not listening and you're not here with me, that's it. So I think we have to remember sometimes to put down the electronics and as parents be really there when we are with our children for the minutes we're there and listen to them because whatever they're talking about is what's important to them at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. So that for sure that vital parent and, and uh, child connection, but also we want to connect parents statewide with all the amazing resources that are out there, especially like Parents Empowered. They're incredible, right? And so we want to make that bridge 
and just connect, be a connection. If people know about the PTA, let's show them the other existing resources that are out there too. And there's a ton out there. I think parents sometimes think they have to do it on their own, mm-hmm. but there's so many different things that are set up to help them do a great job as a parent that you don't always have to do it on your own. Yeah, and it's so accessible. It's not even that like hard to get and find. It's really accessible, and it's easy to implement, and it works, and it's awesome. And Heidi, we're going to say this a million times when we're on here, but there's a website. So as parents are going through, tell us what the website is so people can go and find some of those resources. Yeah, like she said, the internet makes things so accessible and easy, right? And our website for Parents Empowered is simply parentsempowered.org. Lots of tools and resources, lots of plug-and-play practical tips there. And is it for more parents or for kids to look at, or all of the above? You know, there's no harm in kids looking at that website, but we know that when we can get this message directly to parents and they can use some of this messaging to increase that connection, like Christina talked about, um, then the tips are going to go a lot farther. They're going to make a greater impact because parents have such a crucial role in preventing underage drinking and, and helping their kids grow up happy and healthy. Absolutely. We don't always think about life changes as being momentous when you're going back to school, but for kids it really is. Why is it an important time? Either of you can answer this about why this is a time we really want to focus, talk to our kids, and remind them that underage drinking is not a good idea ever. Well, and I think, like, especially when we look back and say, oh, what they're going through may not be that drastic, right? Mm -hmm. But to them it is their whole world, right? A lot of that has to do with friends, And when you have, like, you go to a new school, whether you've moved in there, or if you're moving up from junior high to high school, you're going to meet new friends, right? And it's critical we talk about getting to know those friends. And even with this underage drinking thing, getting to know the parents as well to see if there's, like, alcohol available, especially if the kids were unsupervised at at some point, too. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've seen this as your kids have gotten older, you know, as they go back to school. There's sometimes... Sometimes the same friends that are always around, and sometimes it's a huge tectonic shift in who they're hanging out with, or maybe who those kids are and how their priorities or family lives have changed, too. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we all like the feeling of a new beginning, right? Yeah. And a new school year can really be full of that kind of energy. And something we like to do at the beginning of, of, say, a new year is make new resolutions. But a new school year can feel that same kind of way, help us reground as parents. Summertime can get a little crazy, a little off the chart. We can loosen up a little bit on our schedules. Um, as school gets back in, it's it's a good reminder to, to ground ourselves in some of those things we want our kids to remember most. So being aware of who their friends are, how things have changed for them, and taking a chance to, to remind them of what's most important to us, especially in terms of making healthy rules for them. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But good time to, to refresh on some of Absolutely, and I think it's so important, especially um, since we've been going through the pandemic for so long. We've talked about this a couple times before, but I feel like I've done a pretty good job as a mom knowing who my kids are hanging out with and who their friends are, but there's been this weird gap this last year and a half where a lot of the friends haven't been hanging out at other friends' houses, and there haven't been the birthday parties or the sleepovers that used to be there, and so I don't know who everyone is that they're friends with and hanging out with, and that's kind of a nervous feeling for me, and so I think it's really important to be like, hey, let me see your phone. Show me their Instagram account. I want to know their face, or so when they're talking about that name, you know, make those connections, so definitely a time to figure out who all the new kids are, and don't be afraid of a cheat sheet. Sometimes your kids say names, they go, I sometimes just have a little notepad and I'll write them down and I'll be like, cute boy from this class or this, you know, because sometimes when they bring their name up and you ask them again, they're like, 
Mom, I told you who this is already, you know. I love the idea of a cheat sheet. That's, That's awesome. a great idea. Eventually I'll remember. They don't ever have to know that it's out there. So this really is a great time for all of your kids as they're going back to school. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the importance of why we want to be talking to our kids about this because it's really all about having a healthy brain and if you're going to do well in school, you need a brain that works. So why is this such an important thing for our kids to be talking about? I think it's easy to forget. We've had so many things bombarding us as parents. It's easy to forget about how the, the negative effects of alcohol yeah. on these developing brains, right? And that can really be harmful to their memory and their learning and their good judgment, right? And for me, like, we like to bike a lot as a family. We always wear helmets, right? <laughs> like, we only have one brain. We've yeah. got to protect it, right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of parents wonder, you know, when do I start talking? Your kids run the age gambit. When do you start talking to your kids? Is there a great time where you're like, okay, this is the age, this is the sweet spot where we can start talking about this important issue? You know, and I've never found, like, I, to me as a parent, I just, as it comes up, right, or if I'm worried about something, then I'll say, hey, everyone, let's come together and talk about it, even though they're 18 to 11, right? Yeah. It's like, I think we all need that same message, and it's okay. But really from the American Academy of Pediatrics, they, they suggest talking to them as, as early as nine years old. Which seems crazy young, because when you think about a little nine-year-old and you're looking at them on the elementary school playground, you're not thinking that their brain's thinking about alcohol. Why nine? Yeah. Well, because we, in the surveys that we have, we see, we see that kids can start drinking alcohol as early as sixth grade. And to me, with prevention, I want to be ahead of that, right? I want to do something proactive to prevent that from happening. So if we have a natural casual, open conversation about it, even when they're young. And you can even frame it to whatever phase they're at, right? Like, it, you don't have to go heavy into things when they're nine, but you can talk about the healthy choices that we make for our bodies, and especially for our brains or part of our bodies, too. Absolutely. And it's so important, and I think it's a great time with going back to school to talk about that, because you're thinking about getting good grades, being able to do your homework, you know, do the ACT test when they're older, all of these things that they realize their brains are important for. And so such an important conversation. Uh, is there a way, Heidi, I know that your kids are a little older, so you've, like, seen this go through. Is there a way, do you want to talk to your kids differently when they're 9 as opposed to when they're 16? Is it a different conversation? Definitely. I mean, I think a lot of the same principles apply, um, you know, but another great reason why we want to talk to them when they're nine is that we found that um, that kids, when they're younger, they already kind of have this impression about alcohol that it's something they shouldn't do, that's not good for them. So if we can talk to them early about that when those impressions are already there, it kind of reinforces those feelings. By the time kids move into middle school and high school, um, that curiosity grows. Some of those attitudes start to for shift sure. a little bit. Um, and, and so, you know, wherever our kids are at, we want to meet them where they're at, kind of acknowledging that we understand and, and a reminder to us to, to know about their world, like you indicated with some of their friends, to know where they're at, um, be willing to kind of call those things out that you understand that that's the reality, um, and then, and then share some of this important messaging and, and that message about harms to the underage brain is timeless, right? Whether For sure. Whether they're in sixth grade or, you know, what the research shows us is really until that prefrontal cortex grows up to age 26 that there can be harms to the developing brain. So and that's so important to talk about. My daughter, uh, we actually just had her 21st birthday party last mm -hmm. week and uh, had a 
great group of friends over. We had fun. There was no alcohol. It wasn't something they wanted. But the funny thing is we were talking about, you know, let's rediscuss when you're 25 or 26 when you're a real adult and we'll talk about <laughs> everything because really you're – I think my mom calls it an emerging adult. That's what she learned in her college classes because that age is really up to 25, 26. Your brain is still developing and is on its way to adulthood. And so there's so much time in there that your brain really just needs time to be left alone if possible. And one of the interesting things is um, from the research I've look at every time and I think, wow, four out of five people in treatment for alcohol use disorder say they began drinking alcohol in adolescence and that's why alcohol abuse is considered a pediatric onset. So that's scary when you think about that, that they go back and say, yeah, that's where I saw that it started. And I think a lot of that starts with peer pressure, Heidi. So uh, peer pressure is big when kids are deciding to drink. How big of a factor does that play in? Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to underage drinking, um, peer pressure kind of is that key phrase that we all think of, right, as parents. And we're worried, like, even if we've done our best, that peer pressure is going to sway sway them away into doing something that maybe isn't healthy for them. Um, But the data shows us some really positive, hopeful things as parents, and that is that a parent's firm stand Um, and a commitment there to no underage drinking, setting that very clear standard for them is the number one reason for kids that choose not to drink why they make that choice. Okay, so in that circumstance, um, a parent's influence is the number one reason that kids don't drink and actually trumps peer pressure. I love hearing this, and um, I think it's fun to understand where these numbers are coming from too. So our kids are actually answering surveys where we're getting this information from. So when your kids go to school, they're actually filling out these answers. It's anonymous, and so they're being honest. And when they're not rolling their eyes at us, they honestly care about what we have to say. Yeah, yeah, kids are self-reporting this. Like you said, it's anonymous, given every other year. Um, And, in fact, there's some tools built into place for those kids that are joking around with the survey. We can totally tell, and those get thrown out. So it's very reliable data. Um, and and it's con- been consistent for several years now, too, that we're getting these same results. And, and kids, even though they may not say it out loud, they really kind of crave the safety of, of rules and boundaries for them, especially when it's keeping them safe. I think that's true. I think that oftentimes, you know, you see kids where maybe they don't have parents that are there and present in their lives like they think. And I think some kids look at them and think, oh, they have all the freedom in the world. But I think when you sit down and talk to them, they want to have a curfew. They want a parent that wants them to know, you know, are you coming home and who are you with? So those boundaries, even though we feel like the mean ogre and we're giving them, I think kids secretly like rules. So yeah, I think we all do. That keeps them safe and it makes them realize, like, they care, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have those things if we didn't care. Absolutely. So when we're talking about parents have the biggest influence, is it as easy as saying we don't drink underage, or does it have to be more than that to be the influence that really gets through to them? So with Parents Empowered, we have three pillars that we've really come to understand um, has influence when it comes to that. So we've already talked about one of those. That's this importance Um, of having boundaries back to school is a perfect time to reestablish those. Um, But having said that, too, we want to make sure that um, we don't give the impression that we just set this rule once and and it's done, right? This should be an ongoing conversation, ongoing reminders um, that we feel this way. The two other really important ones um, are bonding with our kids um, and then monitoring as well. So when we talk about bonding – 
obviously I wasn't doing the best bonding in the car with my son today while I was checking emails and he was talking to me. Uh, what do we need to do to bond with our kids? Because obviously if we're bonding with them, they're more likely to listen to us because we're caring about what they care about. Yeah, I love that reminder that you brought up yeah. because I, I think, especially in this virtual world that we've been in, we're so used to multitasking. Yeah. Um, and I have to remind myself, too, not to multitask. When and we're not good at it. We all think we are. We're just <laughs> <Right>. not. <laughs> but we think it's possible, but it's really not, right? We can only think about one thing. But, yeah, the good reminder there that – 10 to 15 minutes a day of really focused attention um, can really go a long ways to create that sense of bonding that we're looking for. Um, bonus points, and it goes even farther if we're taking the time to engage in the things that our kids like to talk about. Um, we kind of have this phrase that we talk about 10 to 15 minutes in your child's world will help them pay attention to yours. So if we want our kids to, to pay attention to the things that we're concerned about and the things that um, are important to us, um, if we really show them that investment initially, they're more likely to give that attention and that respect um, back to us. So if they want to play video games, play video games with them or yeah, whatever they love. Yeah, if it's their music yeah. or, or their video games, the movies that they like, their friends even, having that conversation of going back to school, who are you excited to see or what has changed in your circle of friends? Any new kids? That kind of thing um, can, can go a long way. Absolutely. Well, and for me, like, I've tried really hard to do this. Like, my kids play Minecraft, right? And I did not, my brain does not get that at all. And then my daughter sat down and said, let me teach you. And mm. it was such a great moment because I could see she's really good at this, even this world I don't understand. And I used to play soccer with my kids until they got way good, and now I can't play with them anymore. I know that running good. and stopping is hard, you know, when you try. So did you learn to build things or slaughter pigs when you are playing Minecraft oh, or all could, of the above? Yes, I couldn't <laughs> kill things. I had a real hard time with that. <laughs> I know. Sometimes what they're doing, I just, I, I haven't tried with video games, and that's one thing I probably should with my kids. But you just look at it, and you're like, I don't do that. But I think our kids probably would love it if you sat down and let them show you what they think is cool and what they're good at. And sometimes it is video games. So I think that does make a huge um, impact if they see you caring about the things they care about. Uh, can you ask your kids, like, flat out, do your kid do your friends drink? Do you do that ever? I don't know. You know, I know I have it my with my kids before being like, okay, well, who in your you know group drinks? And sometimes if you just make it a casual casual conversation, they'll talk about it. Is that okay? Is that a kosher part of the conversation to be asking them who drinks, who doesn't, where do they do it at? Is that all right? Yeah, I think so. In fact, I think that's a perfect way to follow through with that third pillar that we mentioned, mm -hmm. which is that monitoring. Um, and there's a really interesting study done um, where researchers posed the questions to 4,800 adolescents ages 12 to 17, um, and they visited over 16 pediatric emergency rooms. And, th and the two questions that they asked um, that actually help us determine whether or not a, a child is going to use alcohol later in life, the first one was, um, do any of your friends drink beer, wine, or beverages with alcohol in them. And then second, that question that you're talking about, only we're talking about it from a pediatrician's point of view, um, of, of, hey, have you drank any beer, wine, or beverages with, with alcohol in it? And after that study, they followed these kids for two to three years, and what they found is that the students who reported no drinking in the first screening reported the least amount of drinking in the years that followed. 
And those students who appeared at the highest risk initially were likely to be the drinkers in subsequent years. Interesting. So, again, um, you know, I think kind of two points there. Number one, ask the question, right? It's a good way to reinforce that we have that rule and we, and we care. And we're kind of bold enough to go there and ask that question, helps them know that we're going to follow up on that rule. And number two, just really re- um, underscoring, again, that, that delaying use of alcohol until the brains are fully developed um, goes a long ways to keep them substance-free and keep their um, brains healthy. And, Christina, it sounds like when we're talking about this, the younger we're asking kids the question and then following up, I think they're realizing that it's something that's important and we care about. So when do we really sit down? We talked about nine as an early age. Is that when we sit down and start having these conversations? No, I say absolutely. Absolutely sit down when they're nine. And let them, because just as, as the pediatricians are bringing attention to this, right? Like, oh, if my doctor asked me that question, right? Like, that must be important. It feels important, yeah. Yeah, and then just reinforce that as a parent, right? Like, especially when they're nine and they still like you most of the time. <laughs> it's true. They'll still hold your hand and hang out with you. So I think getting that question in early and sometimes often where I think sometimes if you wait too long on important discussions or you don't do it on a regular basis, then it feels that awkward, icky, don't ask me these questions, and you're too late, you missed the bus on this. So I think sometimes when you just start making it a normal part of conversation when your kids are young, it, it goes a long, long ways into kind of getting into their brain and making them realize it's just part of our family rules and it's how things work here, which is so important. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this, Christina, but underage drinking, it can lead to later life dependency. So it's not just like a one and done or it was fun just one time with my friends, but this this is why we're talking about it. Our brains are figuring out their patterns for the rest of our lives when we're young. Right, right. And, if, and there's been um, studies that show that 45% of kids who drink before the age of 13 become dependent on alcohol later on in life. And when I think 45%, that's a big number. And I think life is hard enough, <laughs> right, with all these challenges that we really want to give our kids the best chance of a healthy and happy life. Um, And I truly think that parents and other caring adults as well have that power to influence these kids. And it really is so important. Uh, Heidi, is it true that almost half of all Utah teens who drink get their alcohol from parents? We hear that and you think, what parents are these? Who's doing this? Are they drinking really at home? Is this where it's starting? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it can be a common perception among parents that drinking is just a rite of passage Kids are going to do it anyway. Maybe they felt like they drank when they were younger, and they're okay, and so their kids will be okay too. And that providing that alcohol at home is actually going to keep them safe because they're not out driving on the road, so they're not at risk for the. But driving is not the only risk, right? Exactly. What what we know because of what we've already talked about in this brain science is there's really no safe way to drink underage. So it might be a false sense of security to think that we're, you know, that if the kids are drinking within the home that they're going to be okay. What the statistics show, and I know we're throwing out a number, a lot of numbers today, but they're, they're really interesting and super important. But 44% of Utah kids who drank in the last year did so at home with their parents' permission. Um, and again, like we talked about, while it may be keeping them safe and off the road, it's not keeping, um, all of the harms away, and there still could be harms to that developing brain. Um, But even more interesting, I think, is children who get alcohol from the parents are actually 40% more likely to binge drink 
and the parents aren't around. So if there's kind of that first level of So once of you open the door, you yeah. open that door, um, they're more likely to swing that wide open. And, of course, we, we know binge drinking increases the risk to the brain um, and, and, of course, even death. Yeah. I've been talking to, um, just over the summer break, some of my friends I don't see often and family members we've been hanging out over the summertime. And I know this is a big problem, I sometimes think, for either separated or divorced families or blended families because you have one parent has one role, one parent who has another, and one parent will be saying, yeah, you know, as long as the kids are at my house and drinking and safe, I'll watch them. And the other parent says, no. How do you, if you're the no parent, say, hey, you know, I love and respect this other parent, but this is a bad idea? Because it's hard when you've got those mixed messages, and I think it happens a lot. True. I, I think, um, and I've, I've actually been a divorced parent, so, you know, I can speak to this a little bit. And it's whenever you can have that conversation, uh, if you have a situation with a co-parent where you can agree to have the same standard, that's so helpful. Because if they're getting that same message, like you said, that that really underscores it. Um, if not, it's really helpful to, um, you know, help your kids understand why you're setting the, that rule. There's, again, lots of resources at parentsempowered.org. You can go on, you can show them the harms to, to the developing brain. Um, and then it's not just a matter of opinion and, you know, who do I like better or, you know, who's my favorite parent today? But it's, it's like, here's the reasons why. And it can be a really good thing, too, to talk about our kids for their goals for the future, you know. Um, if you want to grow up and be a journalist or a sports, um, you know, a, an athlete, a professional athlete, um, whatever the career may be, you can then talk about what could, what could get in the way of that or what would happen if you introduced alcohol to your brain. Could that get in the way of these dreams? Um, and often when they know that you really have their best interest in mind, that the science backs it up, um, then they're more likely to, to adhere to, to what the science shows. I think that's important. And sometimes I don't think we give our kids enough credit for understanding the science or the numbers. But I think sometimes they want to they want to see those numbers or they want to see the proof. And, you know, they're learning tough things at school. They're hearing tough things around them. And I think that they're old enough they can probably look at the numbers and have those tough conversations and really see the why behind it. It's not just because mom said so or dad said so. Mm-hmm. So important. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier that parents really are the number one reason why kids don't drink. So what can we do in this ongoing conversation about discouraging underage drinking? If we really are the number one influence, how do we make that happen? Yeah, so again, I just remind you of our three pillars. Number one is to bond with our kids, 10 to 15 minutes in their world. Um, more than that is bonus, right, whenever we can do that. Um, and then boundaries, setting that very clear rule. And kind of interesting there, you know, sometimes we think we can sit on the fence of that with those boundaries and set kind of a soft rule, like, you know, I don't like that. But we find that kids overwhelmingly, um, when that rule is firm and very clear, um, you know, will respond a lot better to it. If it's a soft rule, they're more likely to drink. Um, And then that last one is monitoring, following up with our kids. Um, We uh, know that, like, if our kids are going to a party or going out, um, and you can find more information on this on the website, too, that we can ask them the five W's. I love these Um, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And when we make it a habit, you know, our kids might even give us the eye roll, but at the same time, they're going to be like, oh, here we go again. My parents care for me, and and they're going to know these things. So we want to know who are they going to be with, 
where are they going to be, what are they doing, when will they be, be home, and then that fifth bonus question that underscores this rule is will there be alcohol there? Um, and then we can give them an out, too. I think one of the best things we can do as parents, if kids find themselves in a situation, sometimes that they don't even anticipate. Maybe they show up to a party that they think is alcohol-free and there's alcohol there. Um, come up with a, a passcode or a word that they can text you um, to simply, you know, send, send that word. Maybe it's just some initials or um, whatever the word may be that is a signal to you that you can go pick them up, no questions asked, and then really praise them for following through if they do that um, and celebrate that choice that they make. I think that's the important thing because I remember as a kid, I'm sure my parents would have done it, but it was never made explicitly clear. And I remember I ended up at a party once where there was alcohol. I was pretty young, and I just knew I was going to be in trouble. I was scared. So we called somebody else's mom. And I just think it's so important now as a parent that I'm thinking, you know, make sure my kids know that, that doesn't mean you're in trouble. I love you. I'm glad you called. I'm happy to come save you whenever you want to be saved. I, I'll be your reason. You can say that you're leaving because your mom texted, you know, make me the bad guy. But I think that gives your kids that comfortable just reassurance that I'm not in trouble. I'm not going to get in trouble just because I showed up with there someplace with alcohol because it's not always in their control. And they can call and say, hey, come get me. So, yeah. so important. Have either of you had to do that before? Go pick up kids and yeah, save you them? Know, I've, I've you know, I've had that rule, but, um, yeah, but I think it's because, in part, we have those hard conversations yeah. beforehand, right? And, and I, you know, I love what you're saying because I think I had the same circumstance. And if I, if I would have been in that place, I don't know that I would have reached out to my mom or dad because it wasn't as explicit back then. But if we have those hard conversations um, beforehand, they're not going to seem... Um, as nerve-wracking or anxiety-inducing when they actually encounter that situation. Yeah. And I like the five W's on the back end, whether it's when they get home at night or the next yeah. morning following up to see if yeah. what they expected really was. You know, were there different people there? Where did they go? What did they do? So I think following up is important, too, and really keeping that conversation going. And definitely lots of fun things and changes coming up. Anything you want parents to know that you're thinking about from your little bubble that you live in and you see that you're, like, They've just got to know this as they send their kids back out into the brave world again this school year. I think as like parenting can be hard, right? And you can get it can have be, all yes. these <laughs> challenges, right? And you worry about them, right? And it's just like, oh, there. It's nice to feel empowered, like you're not powerless as a parent, right? It's nice to know that there's resources out there that are clear and understandable and really applicable. I use the chit chat cards from the Parents Empowered website just to bring conversation, because sometimes you feel distant with your kids, right? And th those cards are great because they start these conversations. There's some cu questions they ask you or you can ask them, and you just even if it's just 10 minutes, it was 10 minutes of connecting, and that makes a difference. So what kind of questions are on these cards? I somehow have missed them. i got to check them out. Oh, you know, there's all kinds of things. You know, there's, there's actually two decks of cards, um, so there's some for parents and some for kids. So, so, you know, the kids might be asking their parents, like, you know, what's – What's the, your favorite vacation that you ever took? Um, and then to the kids, like, who's your favorite friend at school? So, you know, it kind of gives just us as a parents this break that we don't have to come up with the questions on our own. Um, they're even great to keep in the car. When you're on car rides, you know, you can pull those out. Or um, even I know some people that keep them in the middle of their dinner table. Um, and then, 
you know, during dinner time, you can pull out those cards and, and have that conversation. I think those are so fun because sometimes you'll call and ask how your kid's day was. And aside from fine, unless you have a very specific question about a very specific yeah. class or event, they don't give you the answer. It's just like, eh, fine. So I think asking them questions that you're not always thinking about are a great way to start conversations. Yeah. So Getting them out of their phones too, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're all guilty of that. Take them yep. in the mountains where nobody's got <laughs> Wi-Fi. That's right. Yes. It's good for all of us. For sure. And if people want to check out some of these, you know, cards or questions or these talking points, we've thrown out a lot of numbers. Where do people go to find all that information? Yeah, all of these resources and more, uh, again, are on the web at parentsempowered.org. Perfect. And this is a conversation that we know is tough. And so every few months we're back as those big life changes happen, whether it's spring break or the holidays. So you can have that conversation with your kids. But thank you so much for making us part of your back to school program. Hope it's a great school year. And we're hoping that we can stop talking pandemic by the time we have another podcast again in a few months. Happy school year, everyone.